Hey there and welcome to the Duncan Pentecostal Church podcast streaming from Vancouver Island here in Canada. And however you have found our podcast, we're so glad you're here. Before we jump into today's message, just a couple things I want to let you know. If you go to our website, www.duncanchurch.com, you're going to find a couple easy ways where you can connect with us. We have an online connect card you can fill out. Maybe let us know where you're listening from and check off the option to receive our what's happening email. We send this out once a week. It's a great way to stay connected with everything that's going on here at the church and even online. Apart from that, there is a give button. So if you're feeling led, you can do that right online through our website. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. We are so glad you're tuning in and we are believing that God's going to do something special in you through today's message. Enjoy. Uh, so uh, Dave Longchamps has been, a, Dave and Janelle have been a part of our church family for I think about two years at least now, yep. probably somewhere around there, two and a half, two and a half years, and, um, and yeah, when I was actually meeting with Dave about membership, church membership uh, a number of months ago, he, he just shared a little bit of his story and I thought, I think we need to hear more about this man and uh, how God has just worked in his life and what God has done and how he came to know the Lord and so, um, so Dave, first of all, uh, you were from Quebec. Yes. Yeah, can we crank that mic up? Is that all right? <clears throat> nice and loud there. If you, if you let me talk long enough, then you'll know. It's not a speech impediment, which... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I had a roommate who actually thought it was a speech impediment for three months, which was quite interesting, so <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so, so Dave is from Quebec, if you're wondering about his speech impediment. Um, um, Dave, what does your name actually mean? Longchamps. Long field. There you go. If you're ever wondering. French nobility, I guess. Yes. That's right. Never French saw nobility. any money, though. So, uh, so, so Dave, um, Dave's going to share a little. Uh, the only reason I asked that is because he told me a while back. I was like, what, what is long champs? It means long field. So, um, Dave, uh, tell us a little bit of your story about just before coming to Christ. What was your life like, maybe? Um, some of that. So. Okay. Well, before I talk about it, I was just thinking about it when I was prepping and... Um, because I'm going to share stuff that my parents did to me that made me the way I am now. <clears throat> and it's not some of the nicest things. I do love my parents. I do have a great relationship with them to the extent of how broken they are. Um, having a grand, uh, for them to have a grandkid, that's a great connection. So I'm using a lot to connect, which is awesome. But I, I love them. So even though I'm going to share and it's going to be sad to hear some of the stuff that happened... They're broken people. They don't know God, and, but I do love them, so I don't want to dishonor them by saying the stuff that happened. And it's my story. I have three siblings with me, so it's four of us, and uh, we all kind of went through the dark time differently. Like, me and my older brother remember more, even though, like, with the trauma, I don't really remember a lot of my early childhood, a few memories there and there, and then the, the pinpoint where, you know, it's pretty dramatic. Then my two younger siblings, if you ask them, they, they don't remember a lot. Um, yeah, you actually shared about, you don't remember about 80 to 90% of yeah, your childhood. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty blank. It's almost like when, so when I turned eight or nine, that's when my parents divorced. And then a second type of dark time went through. Before that, it's very, very blank. Like, I, if, I think if I, like, try to get in there, maybe I'd remember more. But I guess, you know, when you're young, you just blank stuff up to keep on going. So 
that's kind of my start. Um, the main thing that happened for me is um, when I was really young, I was struggling with nightmares, and I didn't figure it really out that the nightmare, I was in the room, and there was a picture on the doorknob, and there was a guy in chain that would come out and would kind of want to get me. And then I would run and hide in the drawer in my dream. And I had that like every, every night. And it's only when I was like knowing the Lord, like when 23, 24, I realized that that affected a lot. And based on that, I realized this kind of picture of my dad. So he, he did good with like supporting us and raising us with like finance and that, but um, not emotionally. And so the picture that my dad drew of a father, which I could sit before God and just tear up because he's the opposite, is the fact that my dad is a terror. He's someone that does not support me but push me down. And so that's kind of like, it's a picture that's ingrained in, in me that even to this day, like I'm tearing up right now thinking about that. I'm so thankful for God that he's the opposite, but that's the picture of a father. So from an early young age, like I'd say five, I knew I had nobody to support me. And I was on my own. So that's the way I grew up. Kind of like, no one is looking out for me, and anybody above me, I shouldn't respect because they're going to push me down hard. So you better hide the stuff you don't do well, and then just man up and do what you can. So, so I was really insecure. I became really introvert because extrovert, you show more of who you are. Um, I was really shy. I was, you know, if, if you guys talk to me, you'd be like, oh, you're fully extrovert and you sound confident and all that. Well, that, that's, that's Jesus in me. Um, yeah, so they divorced at eight or nine, and based on that, the way I was, I went through high school just numbing the pain. I started playing video games. Uh, when my friends started doing drugs, I got into drugs, pretty hard drugs. Lord willing, I was not addicted and went down a deeper path. And then, um, but then the one thing, it's kind of cheesy, but it's funny. The one thing that gave me hope is I, I watched a lot of chick flicks. <laughs> and I literally, it's so weird, but... Ch chick flicks. Chick flicks. Chick flicks. You liked a lot of chick flicks. Oh, yeah. Like, now I'm cured of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was some deliverance that yeah, was needed but, there. <laughs> but back in the day, <clears throat> I'd watch a lot. And literally, my hope was like, I'm going to meet a girl. We're going to get married. And I'm going to be happy. But then the problem is, but how can she love me? Like, I'm a, I'm a piece of crap. Um, so you, you actually, when you, we were talking uh, a week or so ago, you had mentioned you actually, because of the trauma and just your experience, you, you actually felt completely unlovable. Was that not kind of a lie? Yeah, that that's, that's a lie. I didn't even know it was there until, like, later in my save years where that came out and God healed me from that, or mostly, I guess. Like, I'm sure it comes back, but... Yeah, so the whole time, all these patterns, is the main thing is the lie that I realized later is I am fully unlovable. I can try my best, but one mistake, then I'm out. I'm like, I'm Trump. There was no, like, gray area of, like, oh, you did a little thing wrong. We'll just talk about it. It was like, no, like, I did something wrong. I'm out. No love, just punishment. That's how I kind of interacted with a relationship, which makes it a bit... Uh, funky ground to be on so but I didn't know I just had a few friends that I hang out with we did drugs together and drank and I used drinking it was a social lubricant because I was way too shy to talk mm. which now I can't stop talking which is like <laughs> the opposite uh, thank you Lord I guess <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so, and then I decided to join the Navy because I had no clue what I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't care about my life. Like, if you do really, like, high chemical drugs and you're depressed like I was, you have fun in the evening. But in the morning, when that drugs wears off and you hit a new low, that was some really dark moment of, like, what the heck am I doing here? And uh, I didn't think about killing myself until later, but that's because you don't assume about, like, oh, it's just kill myself is a good solution. But over that depression that carried on, uh, when I joined the Navy, that happened. I tried to take my life. The good thing about the Navy, though, is you can't do drugs in the Navy, so I stopped drugs, but I got really good at drinking, even though I never liked beer. Um, and again, I just used the beer to low social lubricant, interact with people. That was my way to connect with people because it would lower all my insecurity and my barrier, right? You just feel more relaxed. So, so I did the typical <clears throat> drinking on weekends, working, playing my video games, doing anything to kind of numb the pain. So, so did you join the Navy um, to kind of escape from the drugs in a sense? Like what was your purpose then? In oh, yeah. So <clears throat> I somehow had a brother in college, and, you know, him and I would do drugs together and stuff, and he was already failing two years in college, and thank the Lord he gave me intelligence, I guess, because <clears throat> I was like, I am more lazy than this guy. So <laughs> my buddy came home, and he's like, hey, I'm joining the Navy. I'm like, oh, man, I could get discipline, which I knew I had no discipline at the time, and I would figure out what I want to do, because it was a three-year contract, and save some money. But then I bought a car, so I had to sign up for another 17 years. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> And then, um, so so you 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 joined the navy because you observed your older brother, who was smarter than, or no, you were lazier. You didn't say smarter, just you were lazier than. I him. was lazier, yeah. And he was failing in college, so Already, you go. Yeah. If he's failing in college, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah. going to the navy. Exactly. I'm gonna need a little butt. Uh, was it like a kick in the butt? butt? Kick. Yeah, kick butt, in the butt. Kick. Yeah. And then, um, so that's how I came to BC. If you're wondering why I left Quebec at 17, and then um, came over here November 22nd, 2000. Uh, one, I signed up on September 11, 2001. That's when I was like, I pledge my allegiance to the queen. So, um, huh. yeah, so I was just living this life that I'm surrounded by these older guys. <laughs> They're not a good example. And because my mom had lots of trauma and she's very vocal about it, I never wanted to be a man like that. And she, one thing with the divorce is we were the weapon against each parent, which is the worst thing ever. Uh, when I was in high school, my siblings and I said, screw the parents, we're not trusting them. So we made a, a kind of a vow of like, parents, you can't trust them. So it, we're tied together as siblings, but it broke the relationship with the parents. Um, but I still retain all the stuff my mom said about my dad. So I hated my dad's picture, then I hated my mom's picture, because my dad said stuff about my mom. So I was in the Navy, and I'd see these guys, I'm like, they're treating women like trash. Even in like the way they speak, and I was like, so I didn't fit in. Even um, I was trying to fit in drinking with them, but then w the way they treat women, I couldn't do it. Um, so that's my time in the Navy, and then at one point I realized I, I had no life. So I thought I would just man up and clean my life up. <laughs> so I lasted four days, I think. <laughs> and it's my only time in my life I sat on the couch, stared at the wall for five hours, and I. That was not good, because I got so mad that my life was so empty, so I started ingesting pills, and I, I, maybe I took like three-quarters of the bottle. Now, at one point, I was like, wait a minute. Again, you know, the intelligence kicked in, and be like, maybe I should call poison line. 
So I called him and he said, you should go to the hospital right away. I'm like, perfect. So I hang up and I went to bed. And by God's grace, I vomited twice. I woke up like, and that was the worst hangover ever the next day. I had to go to work. And then I realized I had a problem. So then, well, when you don't know God, <clears throat> in that case, psychologists, you know, and they're free in the Navy. So I was like, okay, let's go see a psychologist. And uh, so I met twice with a psychologist. And the second, time, second meeting, she's saying, so what, what do you want from me? <laughs> you're paid, you're a doctor, fix me. <laughs> and then she said, well, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, well, we're done. <laughs> Like, <laughs> so two visits and you're done. You're two fixed. visits. I don't mess around. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. it didn't, didn't fix you. It didn't work. Did not work. So I went back to my normal, like numbing the pain, life, knowing that I have no purpose, I have no meaning. Um, and it took about a year. And I had a roommate. Well, we're gonna get to my conversion now. Oh, you, do you want me to ask you that question? No, it's too late. No, I just brought it up. <laughs> 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 so. I had a roommate who was more into spirituality. He was doing meditation and chakra. His older brother was all in this stuff. So he was more open to it. And he went on a trip, a deployment. And uh, a guy living down here uh, brought him to the Lord. So he came home. And this guy, is, he's a fighter. Like, literally, he's going to argue at the grocery store that I should eat more vegetable when I didn't like vegetable. And, like, he, he does not give a rat's ass what you think. He's just going to, his way is the, is the best way. But it's good for preaching the Lord. And so... He argued over two weeks, and then finally gave him a ride to church because he didn't have a driver's license, which I don't know why he didn't have one at the time. But and so I attended my first church service because I didn't grow up in the church, and uh, it was very cheesy, I'd say. Cheesy, uh, cheesy, yeah. Cheesy. You didn't want to actually have any part of it. No, it, it was long. I just sat there, and then I'm like, "This is long." Just listening to these things, and uh, the music was like John and Lynn, which became my spiritual dad, but. He was, he, was, he was singing because it was the first day the church met together. It was like 23 of us. So I told my friend Dave, I was like, well, I'll drop you off, but I'm not staying. This is like not my cup of tea. Uh, so then he started arguing again. He's like, no, okay, well, you come to a Bible study. I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about the Bible. I'm going to look stupid. He's like, no, no, come, come. So then I went to a Bible study where we had dinner, and then we studied the Bible. I remember it was... In the gospel, because at one point they read about Pharisees, and my buddy Dave's like, wait a minute. Maybe not everybody knows what a Pharisee is. We should explain it. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and I know it's me. So, so I remember I, I spent the evening there, and the love in the room, like, at that time, I was just like a dry sponge. Mm. And I remember leaving there, and I look at my buddy, I'm like, I'm coming back. Because people mm. listen to me, and just the love. And so the love drew me. Because you, you'd like, been unlovable. You had yeah. thought you were unlovable. And that all was of a sudden, free love. you're experiencing love. Yeah. Free love. Yeah, yeah. It was just, they just loved you freely. So, so I just started going. I'm like, I'm coming. This, I'm going to suck all that love as much as I can. <laughs> and uh, so then I started going to church because now I knew people. And um, then the, the following Sunday, John asked if anybody wanted to receive the Lord. I was like, well, well why not? I mean, it's pretty good so far. So he, after service, he came over, and we prayed together, and, and I still remember the moment. Finished praying, and I look at him, and I was like, so I'm a Christian now. He's like, yes. And I'm like, well, I don't feel different. And he's like, well, start acting like it, I guess. I'm like, sure. 
should be something more to this. I'm like, I don't know. We prayed to God. And so, so I kept going to church, but my life didn't change. And, but and I would see people and I knew what they had. And it took about three months. And then I realized that something had to change. And one Saturday morning, I woke up and it was like, just kind of reading the Bible, and God just hit me hard. And he's like, okay, you've known me for three months. Now you know all the promises that you, you want, but you're still in the world. And then he kind of made the choice. He's like, you know the world. You know the things you've been doing. If you want to stay there, you know what you're going to get. If you want the promises in me, you got to leave the world. And it was this repentance moment where it was like tearing my old life so i canceled internet threw video games away clean up the whole house and then i got home it was at 3 p.m and i'm just crying in prayer and i'm like this sucks like i don't know what i'm doing like literally like because you've gotten rid of everything you used everything, to do everything everything's like, gone the video games are gone so everything. now i'm like what do i do in my life so later so i didn't i don't suggest doing that but i made a deal with god i said Okay, this day is going to suck. I'm going to bed right now because when you sleep, time goes faster. <laughs> but the next morning, I want to be a new person. I, I want to be different. And uh, So you went to bed? So I went to bed. At like 3 o'clock? 3 in the afternoon. Because there's nothing else to do. Because, and then just staring at the wall is not a good idea, I guess, in my case. And, and oh boy, did he deliver. Mm. I went from, it's like dark to light in my wow. conversion story. I woke up. You know, I always like to say, you know, unicorn rainbows and butterflies. Um, it, was, it was just life, like life. And as I was thinking about this and sharing, that's, that's the main gift God has given me joy. Like, I, would, I worked in BC Ferries. I literally mop a floor, and I'd be telling God, how come can I have so much flipping joy mopping this floor? Like, it's not, this is not me. This is, this is God. Like, yeah. I... From the, all these dark years to doing a simple task and being like, flip, I'm the happiest dude on the planet right now, wow. mopping a floor. That is awesome. So, so that, that's the first gift he gave me. Um, Some of the other changes maybe that you started to maybe experience or just that, you know, that you learned and God started doing in you. And I couldn't keep quiet. It's just, you know, I started talking a lot. Uh, so your insecurity also naturally... It, I became extrovert. Or maybe I was a hidden, insecure, shy extrovert for all these years, but I started, I just love people. I can't have enough. If I make a dinner, I have to invite everybody. I feel bad if they're not invited. But yeah, so there was this big change, and the church was just soaking me up with love. It was one of those movements of God in Victoria. And um, one yeah, thing is... The, the church actually, when you were a part of this church in Victoria, it was interesting. You were telling me about this. That, uh, it was about 20 people when you started, and it just was growing, rapidly growing, people getting saved and baptized, and like really, really, like a revival, a little revival going yeah. on. Yeah, it was literally, we went from like 23 to 150 in five years, the whole time I was there before I went to Bible college, and I'd say like 70% were conversion and baptism and like university age. It, it was really cool. The downside is now if, you, if I compare other churches, then it's like, oh, <laughs> what's happening so, but it was so alive. So alive, so, so alive. alive. And it was like the sense of belonging and being part of a movement of God was, was great. And the main thing I started learning is that I never saw healthy relationship before in my life. So being a believer with all these 
older, mature Christian, then I started learning about healthy relationship. And I was craving that a lot because I never had, like, I don't remember my dad being nice to my mom. I don't remember my parents saying anything good about each other. You know, these things is like, and I can't ask because even to this day, they will, it does, the information is not the same. So it's one of those things you're like, I'll never know really what happened, but God knows. And it made me who I am. One thing I learned too is uh, this, this lie of being unlovable um, after a few years. And that's one thing, like my hope was, you know, meet a girl. So I try like drinking and partying to sleep with a girl, but I always felt bad because I'm like, well, I just don't want to sleep with her. I want to be respectful and all that. So it never worked. And I was too shy. So I guess God saved me. And then, then I became a Christian. And for many years, the way I saw it, I was like, I was, I was acting like a boy. Because my interaction with girls was really boyish, not like manly in the sense of like being responsible and interacting in a way of like intentionality and all that. And so it took many years until I started dating, but then finally I started dating and I got my heart broken, which was good because the thing that I transferred into Christian life is I would make the woman an idol. Mm. And I'm going to look stupid, but I'm going to share it. Like, this is how stupid I was. And I, I, I agree with you, it is very stupid. This one girlfriend, I knew what time she was done, and I waited two hours to get a text back, and I told her. It took too long. And that's how codependent I was, and that's why when the relationship ended, and then I, I got my heart broken, that's when God was like, okay, now it's time to deal with this little idolatry. Mm. And it came all of a sudden. I was praying with this older woman, who was like a spiritual mom. And it's one of those moments where we're praying, and at one point she looks at me, she's like, you believe the lie that you're unlovable. And then I just like, you know, like the, the one that you don't want anybody to see, right? Like this uncontrollable sobbing that you can't control. And, and it's like I got a flashback of all the interaction in my life of that lie of being unlovable, that like they're... I'm responsible to love someone and respect and do everything to the utmost, but they have no responsibility towards me because I got to be perfect to even get a shred of something. And so that was broken or starting to be broken at that moment. Yeah, and there was even, I remember talking uh, before we met how kind of um, this unlovable, there was a lot of depression that you had as well in life, and you kind of used these different tools, drugs, alcohol, whatever, video games, to numb that was gone, and it was kind of like you became a Christian. And I remember you kind of sharing that basically it was like a, you, you just used – those previous idols got replaced with a new one in a sense, mm-hmm. with this, this girl, this relationship kind of thing. You know, it's like I was unlovable. This is and, – and so can you share maybe a little bit of how um, just like maybe uh, like leading into that, the breaking of the lie in your life, um, was there any circumstances maybe that led – into that as well. I guess you already kind of did with the, the, the breakup with the girl, but that kind of revealed some of the, um, the replacement. Because I remember you sharing that, how it was kind of like you just went from thing to thing in the past mm-hmm. to get rid of the depression, you got saved, you have joy, but there's still something new. You let in this new idol in a sense. Yeah, like Jesus was and is my God, but in, when I entered that relationship, it became pretty clear that I had some idolatry, like I made the woman at all. And then after that, I didn't do the right thing. Like I still, I numbed the pain during that time, but I'm thankful God still taught me the lesson and broke the lie. Uh, And then now I can say like, God is my source and 
Janelle, my wife, since we started dating, I, I was telling her, like, we, we are not each other's source. God is our source. We're just a blessing to each other f as we get fed from the source. And, and it's been amazing. And, um, and I know it's broken because the marriage that I have with Janelle, which is, she's an amazing wife, and we have an amazing marriage because of God and what he's done. So even though we got married in later years, I just, I wouldn't have done it any other way because I had a lot of crap to learn and get cleaned up in my life as I grew in the Lord. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you want to move into just kind of maybe even your desire to be a dad. When did that begin or any of that? Or did you have more you still wanted to share about the... Oh, we can go with... The unlovable, kind of the breaking of that lie. Anything more detailed? I don't know if you wanted to share no, more of that no. or not. Oh, yeah. There's one story that came to mind this morning. Like, so it wasn't like just like a big high for the last 18 years in my Christian life. I had some big lows. And, but the big lows actually taught me kind of deep truth about God. And you know the verse in John where he says, like, no one takes them out of my father's hand. I learned that, like, clearly. I, I just had a surgery, and I was, I kind of got too much time off, so I got really bored, so I got back into doing my own worldly thing. And then at one point, I was, like, so a slave to all my stuff, and I couldn't come back. And finally, like, I had this prayer with God saying, God, I got to let go. I can't, I can't hold on anymore. You got to hold on to me. And we kind of had this, this moment in my life. And, and it's almost God was like, finally, like, stop using your flesh to do the thing. Trust me to do it. And, um, and it was, it was like so instant when I was like, I I'm letting go but you got to hold on. And that's when I learned that God, God got me. He's not letting go. I'm, I'm in his hand, and he's the one holding on way better than I can hold on. So it was one of those pivotal moments in my faith being like, okay, I'm, I'm secure. I'm very secure. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and so you, you're, you're kind of set free of this lie of being unlovable, and God does this work in you. Um, uh, yeah, so you, when, when do you even want to become a dad? When does that kind of... So during Bible college, I had some friends who started having kids, and um, I didn't like, by the way, side note, didn't like babies until I had one, but now I just love babies. Um, but I like toddlers. I always love toddlers. You throw them around, and you, you get a reaction. You know, like you invest some joy, you get a smile, and then after, you're like, good transaction. So uh, my friends had a little toddler, Malachi, and then I just remember in chapel, and I was just tossing him in the air and playing with him, and at one point, I was like, I could have kids now. I was still, like, not dating or thinking about marrying at the time, but I was like, yep, I could have kids. And it wasn't like, um, I always thought I want kids because I like kids, but it, it wasn't like this, this great desire. I think, like, women probably has more of a nurturing thing. For me, I just knew that at one point, like, you know, if you get married and it's a healthy marriage, things happen, typically. So it's kind of part of the deal, right? So because he asked me, like, I was thinking about it, like, the reason why I want to be a dad, I'm like, well, I'm not 100% sure. There's a few factors, but it was, it was not, like, one clear reason. I mean, I want to, now I know I want kids because flip. It's like, the love you have for them, it's, it's pretty incredible. Like, I, I never felt that in my life, you know. They left for two days, and I was, like, flipping through pictures of them. I'm like, I don't do that. Like, I left in the Navy with ships all the time. I don't miss people. And I'm like, oh... 
They're coming back in two days. Yeah, so. Uh, maybe some of the things you've learned now that, now that you are a father. Um, some of the things maybe you've learned yeah. being a dad. Um, the mom needs support. <laughs> uh, the first thing that surprised me is how part-time I was. And I use those words just to describe the feeling that, like, he needs mom. The baby needs mom at first, and you're like, oh, okay, you take him, more milk. I'll wait when he's ready, and I can take him again. So I just kind of felt like you, I can't take care of my son the whole way. But it's coming. It's coming. So, so that's the first thing. Second thing, I did have some feeling of a bit of a failure because I was caring for him, but I couldn't care for him enough. I had to pass him back to Janelle. And I was like, oh, I didn't do my job right or whatever. And I'm picturing like, with other dad, I've lasted longer trying to entertain this baby. And so all these thoughts, right? There's a little kind of insecurities. and like, oh, maybe I should have tried harder, but it's okay. Janelle's awesome. So, yeah. So I like this little thing. And then the love for him. I never pictured that. Like, it's just, I, and I think that's a gift from God. Like, the way I grew up, you know, sharing love, that's never been an easy thing. Um, and now with him, I'm just like, it's just overflowing. It's just cool. Which you shared, you kind of related that. You, it, it struck you, I think, in the sense of how he's done nothing, yet you love him so deeply. Yeah, and that's such a great thought about God and me. You know, and it's like, I'm, I'm not kind of like, well, yeah, you're going to get there and do this and that. He's just there. And I'm like, yeah, and we're so happy that he's there and we want to love on him and care for him. And it's like... I guess there's a deep joy of that love being given to him, but it's such a picture of God being like, that's, I love you more than that. Like, and I'm kind of like, man, it's hard to wrap your mind around, though. I still struggle with that a lot. Just to sit there and be like, God loves me more than I love Samuel. I'm like, whoa, huh. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love even you, 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 um, you shared a little bit of how he was like hiding for nine months, and then he came out and you had a little... Yeah. You said a little sailor baby. Exactly. He looked like a sailor. I thought he was the cutest baby ever, and now I look at the pictures when he came out. I'm like, ooh, that's an old sailor wrinkled baby. <laughs> so you do have pink glasses, but he's still a, yeah. I, I always try to be real. I don't want to be like, wear pink glasses stuff, but I'm like, it's, it's not working. I'm trying to be real, and I still am infatuated with my son. So, Yeah. What are, what are some of the hard things maybe then of being a dad? So, I mean, this is kind of like, oh, you're just over the moon, incredible. What are, maybe? Yeah, well, I mean, like I share some of the hard things as I feel is when I couldn't take care of him fully. Right. Um, I guess it's part of the way I grew up. I have a hard time asking for help. Or maybe it's a man thing. Like they say, you go in the store and you don't want to ask for help until you've done five aisles. And you're like, well, I'm wasting my time. But um, that's my style. So, um, sleep. Yeah. When it started at first, you know, you're running on the adrenaline, so I thought all these parents saying that lack of sleep is horrible, and I was like, look at these guys. Then, you know, three months in, you're like, oh, yeah, it's different. So, but you get used to it. Uh, I mean, with the Navy, I'm trained not to sleep a lot, or whatever, you wake up, go back to bed, so that's helpful, but um, hard thing, time, I guess, um, especially for Janelle and I, so we can't wait for babysitters. So, um, which is good, which is good actually for parents still to have parent time. 
Yeah, exactly. So it can't all be about the kid. Yeah. Because there is a day when they leave. When they leave. Exactly. That's what my They're wife and I found out. Yeah. So it's it's a gift, right? I mean, it, it's sad to think that way, but for me, I, I use that in a way to enjoy life better. I say, like, I could die tomorrow, or Samuel could die tomorrow. Mm. And if he dies tomorrow, my life's not over, but I would thank, thank God for the time I had with him. You know, it's, that's the rea- reality of life. You know, I'm like, we don't like to think that way because we're in Canada and we live until 90, but um, that's the reality, so I'm just so thankful. And it is cool. The nine-month thing, that's really cool. You don't know what that little phase is going to be like, when it comes out. I mean, it's pretty squished when it comes out. But uh, <laughs> like that nine months, you're like, what, what is that little person going to look like? Right? You know, they do a little ultrasound. And you're like, okay, he has a penis. <laughs> but beside that, you're like, you can't really tell the look. So, yeah. <laughs> what? Like. They always check for that. I mean, some people, they do the old way and they wait until the end. But for us, we're like, yeah, it'd be good to figure it out. So. <laughs> so it's from my mom. She has no class. I think it's part of who she is. She just wants to say stuff to shock people. And I can't help it. <laughs> I told Peter a dad joke. And he's like, don't tell yeah, that don't joke. Don't tell it. <laughs> at church. So, Please yeah. don't. <laughs> So, yeah, we had a great time meeting. Yeah, it was awesome. It was good. So uh, the one thing, though, my hope and dream for Samuel is that he would grow strong, the least broken, because I know we're going to screw up in some ways, but the least broken, like equipped, knowing the Lord from a young age. Um, the way I see it is once to leave the house, like, you know, it's going to happen. Um, I want him to already have a relationship with God to go ahead in this world and do what he wants to do. Uh, when we did the baby dedication, as I told Peter, I wish I shared a bit because we dedicate him in front of you guys. But the heart behind doing that is we do, like for me, I feel I missed out. Like the amount of loneliness and depression and darkness I had through high school, I'm like, what if I known that there's a God who loves me, who's there? First, and then second, I, I do want to support and love him and for him not to live through anything that I live. Well, except for the good stuff, but, that's, you know, you know what I mean? So that's, that's the hope. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm hopeful. The way God has brought us together, Janelle and I, and <clears throat> the way things are going, and I'm, God has our back. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So That's great. Is there anything else you want to share about fatherhood or anything that... The one thing, because I think we're going to pray at the end, right? We are, yeah. So the one thing, and I don't pray that prayer that often anymore, but, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have a prayer that you're like, God, like, if you want to show off, like, if you want to show off and be like, you're the God of the impossible, do that thing. And my prayer that, like, the show off prayer, if you want to call it that way, I just tell God, it's like, God, if you want to show off and be like, huh, Dave, I am glorious, and the impossible is possible for me. That'd be that my dad would get saved. Mm. That I would have a conversation with him with an open heart and just, like, with a connection of both loving God. I'm like, that would be like, okay, God, you've done it. I'm, I'm ready. You know, take me home in a sense, right? It's, mm. uh, it's one of those things. Most of my family are not saved, and, but that's the one I feel like, just like my dad with his stubbornness, I'm like, if 
you want to show off, God, change him. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, well, I, I think, uh, is there anything else you want to share, or are we going to go to prayer now? I think, I think we can go to prayer. Yeah. Except if anybody has questions. <laughs> if anyone has questions, so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> In Canada, you don't ask questions. There, question question? there is a question over oh. here. Linda has a question. How did, how did Dave and Janelle meet? Oh, this that is so question. romantic. It was this rainy night, and Janelle was getting drenched, and I had this perfect umbrella in my back pocket. No, it's through online. It was very, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know. So, story short, she turned, it was her birthday a few years ago. At her age, it's okay if you forget the age. Um, and then uh, her sister was like, you, you got to make a profile. She's like, well, if you make it. So they made a profile for her. I, on a dating website. Dating website. Yeah. And then um, I've been on and off. Like, because I, I literally, like, after that lie was broken, flip, I was really happy single. Like, there's, mm. life is good. Um, but then sometimes you just have the desire, you know, yeah. like, oh, maybe I should do something about this, you know. It won't happen by itself. So I decided to try this app, but I felt terrible because it's not, like, only a Christian app. So I was like, well. And then... Um, so I didn't even write, like, fully about Jesus on there because I felt so bad. And uh, we matched right away, like, first two days. And then, um, then randomly, a friend of mine who seems to know everybody where he goes, he was, he was living in Abbotsford, and I showed him a picture of Janelle. He's like, that's a flipping wife material lady there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And um, so right away, I'm like, well, we got to meet right away. So... And, and the funny thing, though, is, you know, I like to work out. And so I had a nice picture of, like, after a workout where I look more jacked. And <laughs> Janelle's sister was like, oh, Janelle, you're going to like his muscle. So, so that's how I went. I was a muscular guy on the dating website that didn't even talk about Jesus. So, so she was so happy when I, she came to the Starbucks and I was reading my Bible like a good Christian. So it was, you know, first. You always got to do that, guys. No. Dating 101 in the Christian circle. Read your Bible when they show up. No, so. <laughs> but no, yeah, we started, um, went on a few dates. And like, again, for me, it's a God thing because it was so natural. And I even broke my rule. I was like, we're going to date for a year max. Uh, no, sorry. We're going to date minimum a year before I propose. Like, Got to be wise. You know, we can't propose too early. Like, you know, you hear all these stories, you know, propose after two months. And then, uh, so I had to break that rule with Janelle, you know. So I proposed at nine months. But it was like, it was so smooth sailing from the beginning and just confirmation and affirmation of like, yeah, she's, she's perfect for me. So, and even though we got married, I was 37. She was 35 with like a question mark there. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it, it's, it's something like, I always like picture with my, my childhood's crap, I thought I was to be an emotional wreck, that like if I get in with a girl, men were going to be struggling, I'm going to be pouting, and blah, 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 you name it, I just always had the worst, I was like, it won't work, like, even though I want to get married, and I've just been so flipping blessed, like, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for taking care of that, and thank you, Lord, for supporting us in this. So, and now we get to bless this little man with a loving marriage because I think, you know, the, how the parents are affects a lot the kids. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 
that's a short story. Now people are like, don't ask another question. This guy can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't ask anyone. Um, uh, we do want to pray. Um, we want to pray over, over our dads. But you know what? I really think with, with Dave's story that it's more than a dad. It's more than a, more than a male thing, I should say, of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people in this room probably had not such great experiences with their dad. Um, perhaps you're in this room and you feel a little bit unlovable because of how you were raised or some of your experience. Um, perhaps you're in this room and you've been numbing the pain of your life with all kinds of addictions, whatever it might be, drugs, alcohol, w whatever. Um, we want to pray that you be broken free, set free of those things today as well. Um, and so we want to pray blessings over our dads, but, but over everybody that's here, because we all have a dad. Every one of us has a dad, biologically, that's in this room. Um, but more importantly, we all have a heavenly father, dad, that, that can bring healing. I mean, I just love the story of just the transformation. Um, you know, waking up the next day with joy. You can have the same experience in your life. You can, you can, you can this very day, go to bed tonight saying, Jesus, I want new. I'm done with this. I need something new. And wake up the next day and be a new person, a new creation in Christ. And so, um, so why don't we pray? Dave, are you okay? Would you mind praying as well? And, and then, um, um, and then I'll, uh, I'll pray as well. And then I think the team's going to come up. We've got a few minutes. And um, if you're here this morning, um, we're going to close with a song. Uh, but before we dismiss, if you would like to just come and just pray, and maybe you just want to come forward and just seek the Lord. You know, we, we, a couple weeks back, we, or a few weeks back, we did this carpet time, we called it. Just coming and just spending time. We just, the, the purpose is just to create space for God to work in our lives. That's all we want to do. We want to come and we want to meet with God. And that requires that we take and create space, say, God, if I really want to experience and meet with you, then I got I to gotta create space for you to do that. And that's part of the purpose of doing the carpet time as well. But Dave, would you mind praying and then, um, uh, and then, uh, and then, and then, I'll, and then I'll pray as well as, as the team kind of comes up maybe just to prepare to kind of close us with a song. Father God, thank you so much for, for being such a great father, Lord. And the um, thing is, I was just thinking about it, Father, is you're amazing. You're so loving. Like you, in John, it says that you are love. And, um, but the issue... Father, is the fact of that knowledge. In Ephesians, it says to grant us the power to know how deep and how wide and how long and how great the love is that we might be filled with fullness. And I just pray for that power right now, Lord. Yes, Your love changes lives. It changed my life. And sometimes, Lord, I just, uh, when I hear struggling people or in certain aspect, I I just it feel it's unfair, Lord, that you respond to my prayer so powerfully and change my life and bless me so much. And so I just pray, Father, for, for all the fathers. Um, we all have a father here. Um, and all these fathers, Father, I just pray your blessing over them. I pray, Father, if you'd speak to them. If there's any um, things that you'd want to bring up to them that they might approach their kids to discuss, I just pray, Father, for reconciliation that way or even just for a desire for a deeper connection. I pray, Father, for people here who had, like my dad, um, a really struggling dad, I pray, Father, that for forgiveness. 
uh, both, Lord, for what was done, the damage that was done, and both for the fact of how we judge our own parents, Lord. I remember uh, when you broke that lie, God, that uh, there's part of it is me judging my parents, and that needed to go. So I just pray for forgiveness from both sides, Lord, for us judging our parents and for the parents, Lord, and the things they've done. And I just pray, Father, thank you for the fact that uh, a father represents you in so many ways. And I just pray against any false image, Lord, uh, from earthly dad that breaks a clear understanding of who you are. I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would you'd break that, Lord. Yeah. It's so critical to understand that you are a good, good father. So I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord. Break those lies. Break those false images. And I just pray that your true image through your son would be revealed, Lord, yes. to whoever needs it. Yes. Lord, we, we love you, Lord. You, you're so amazing. All your promises in Scripture is so like, come that I might love, come that I might bless, come that you might be satisfied. I just pray, Father, that those promises would be so active, and God, that your, your people would uh, be blessed as they receive. As they come to you, they would receive, Lord. So I just thank you for that, Lord. Yes. And I mentioned, I pray again for this show-off prayer. I pray for my dad, Lord. Yes, God. I pray, Jesus, that you would call him, that you would change him. And God, that uh, you glorify yourself with that, Lord. God, that uh, my other siblings who don't know you would see that, and it would change them. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would call him and change him and let him know you and praise you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Duncan Pentecostal Church, located here in Duncan, British Columbia, on beautiful Vancouver Island. At DPC, we believe in teaching the whole Bible to build whole believers who can impact the whole world. For more information about us, find us online at www.duncanchurch.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Duncan Pentecostal Church. Have a great day.